Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of July 10th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And let's call it what it was. It was a weird week in terms of the holiday coming on a Tuesday, the market closing early on Monday, and I'm assuming a lot of people just anecdotally being out of the office at the end of the week or throughout the week, because oftentimes what you see around the holiday weekends and around holidays like the 4th of July in particular is you just don't get a lot of market action. And we didn't see a tremendous amount of activity across the select sector spider lineup for the week. In fact, we had just around 500 million shares traded across the lineup, which is on the lower end of what we've seen recently. And when you sort of average that out over, let's call it three and a half days or so of market action. It's representative of a market that didn't have a lot of action, didn't have a lot of activity, and ultimately didn't have a lot of participants who were making significant bets one way or the other. Now, we did get some economic data that moved the market, and the market finished the week down 1.16%. So now year to date on the S&P 500 up 14.57%. But you look across the sector landscape and just one sector eked out a gain this week. And that was real estate up 27 basis points. Otherwise, you had a lot of sectors that were mostly flat and then a few sectors that were down. So all in all, not much to write home about. Now we did get the first non-farm payrolls miss in quite some time. In fact, in 15 months, it was the first time it missed estimates, which is the longest streak of monthly beats on record, according to our friends at Bespoke. And that job growth of 209,000 was well below what the market was anticipating at 230,000. And so we're in this weird market, as we've talked about time and time again on the podcast, where bad data on the jobs front, perhaps good market information in terms of what it means for Fed policy. But the reality is, is that this was just a employment number that was below expected and didn't necessarily have much read through in terms of what it's going to do to the Fed, because the reality is, is that the Fed's latest pause has been surrounded by a lot of talking by Mr. Powell and his colleagues about how they're still going to be vigilant. There's still likely to be some policy in the current direction, meaning interest rate hikes down the pike. And although they feel as if it was necessary to pause, the reality is that they don't necessarily feel like the job is done. So what other data do we get? Well, we got some manufacturing data, which was largely weak, both on the ISM side and on the S&P side. But we also got some pretty strong services data. In fact, when you look at the ISM services print this week, it's trending in the right direction. So six straight months of increases. And within it, the prices index was down 2.1%, which is, from an inflationary perspective, good news. And when you look inside of it, inside that ISM services print. One of the more interesting data points in there is the business activity index. And it's increased the past five months. It was up 7.7 percentage points from the prior month, so 59.2%. That's very strong 
in terms of the services sector and what it means for that component of the economy, which we all know is such a significant component of the U.S. economy. And ultimately, we've been having this conversation now, which feels like forever about recession, no recession, soft landing, hard landing, no landing, et cetera, et cetera. And here we are with a services sector that seems to be firing on maybe not all cylinders, but many of its cylinders. And the manufacturing segment still shows weakness. A lot of the data components in manufacturing have continued to show weakness or have rolled over. And the data says that manufacturing on a textured basis is in recession. But by and large, the services sector seems to be holding up well. And despite this one miss, first miss in 15 months on the job side, the jobs market continues to remain robust. Now, you break down the relative sector performance this week. The worst performing sector was healthcare, 2.81% loss for the week, followed by technology, 1.52%, and materials, 1.97%. So weakness, not necessarily isolated to growth versus value or growth versus cyclicals or cyclicals versus defensives. It was a weak market across the board outside of real estate, which eked out a gain. But you do look at some of the defensives, staples down 96 basis points. You had, as I mentioned, healthcare, the worst performing sector for the week, and then utilities down just eight basis points or basically flat for the week. And there does seem to be some indication of some rotation in the market, whether or not that'll persist remains to be seen. In fact, from a flows perspective, we saw a little bit of it this week. We saw about 2 million shares created net in XLU, XLP, and XLV. Could be a meaningful rotation from some sector rotator getting more defensive, but you just look at some of these flows on a week-to-week basis and try and at the very least infer what someone might be doing. We saw 4.7 million shares created in XLF, 6 million shares created and XLC or communication services. So we had about 17 million shares net in all told across the select sector spider lineup. So a fairly decent week in terms of creation activity across the select sector spiders, but that sort of grouped together 2 million across XLU, XLP and XLV just sort of hit my antenna, if you will. Perhaps there's someone out there who uses sectors in a rotational factor or in a tactical manner and is starting to tilt in a more defensive orientation, which again, as we've talked about, was a very popular posture coming into 2023 and really hasn't worked. And we'll highlight that as instead of doing a sector in focus this week, we're going to look back on June. And I know it's already July 10th. And so 10 days into the next month, last month's sort of old news, but there is some insight to be gleaned from last month's numbers. And when I look at the best performing sector, consumer discretionary up 12% for the month, the worst performing sector, utilities up 1.61% for the month, it underscores that growth, value, cyclical, defensive posture that we've seen persist in the market so far in 2023, which continued, of course, in June. But What we also saw and what we had talked about the prior month was some of the changes in short interest at the sector level. And one of the ones we highlighted was XLF, a meaningful increase in short positions on XLF the prior month seems to have been largely unwound. This month, we saw about a 38% decline in short interest or 67 million plus shares 
on XLF that came down. And that's perhaps reflective of folks who just aren't as aggressively pursuing a short position in the financial sector, which was a very popular trade around the regional banking crisis. We also saw a 39% decrease in short interest on XLRE or real estate, which isn't a big position, 1.7 million shares. That's one of the smaller sectors in the select sector spider lineup, a 15% decrease in short positions against healthcare. But we did see a significant increase in short position against consumer discretionary. Again, not a meaningful change in terms of shares, 1.6 million shares. But ultimately, what we're seeing now, technology had an increase in short interest. So people seem to be either long or short repositioning tactically within the market. We saw it from a flows perspective this week. We saw it somewhat in terms of the changes in short interest against and for various sectors last month leading into July. And we'll see how it plays out in July and beyond as we move into the second half of the year. And the economic landscape continues to change. I mentioned how the services segment of the market seems to be at least relative to manufacturing in a much better place. The manufacturing sector continues to be challenged. But by and large, this is a market that at least as we look at the second half of the year, is facing a number of uncertainties, whether it's the sort of disagreement in the marketplace about how many more Fed hikes we're going to get. There seems to be at least a bubbling consensus around two more rate hikes here in 2023. There seems to be a lot of people who also believe that we're not going to get any more rate hikes and we might get some cuts in early 2024. There's a lot of folks who disagree about the nature of the timing of, et cetera, a potential recession, whether it's Q3, Q4, or Q1 2024. And the reality is, is that when you think about intersector positioning, not everyone uses sectors tactically, but those who do, at the very least, are based on the data showing us that that tilt toward growth, that tilt toward cyclicals, that tilt away from defensives, that tilt away from value might be normalizing a bit. And we'll see how that plays out in terms of relative performance. But so far in 2023, the story remains the same. Best performing sectors are those sectors that performed the worst last year. Technology, communication services, consumer discretionary, the worst performing sectors are the ones that performed the best last year. Energy, utilities, staples, healthcare, etc. And as we go into the latter half of 2023, with all of this economic uncertainty, with the ongoing geopolitical situation, it's going to be interesting to see how relative sector performance plays out. Because, of course, you can bank gains from the first six months of the year and then try and reposition for what you expect in the back half of the year. That's normal. And not everyone uses sectors in as dynamic a fashion as that. But... When you're thinking about relative flows on a weekly basis, when you're looking at short interest, when you're looking at relative performance, all of that is just information that the market is providing us on a daily, weekly, quarterly basis. Looking ahead to next week on the economic data front, we do have a couple inflation prints, CPI on Wednesday, PPI on Thursday. So we're going to get additional insight into the pace of and trajectory of both consumer and wholesale inflation, which, of course, is an important indicator for this market, has been for quite some time and will give us some insight as to how we can anticipate the next Fed meeting, which, of course, is coming up shortly. And then we'll get consumer sentiment on Friday, which, of course, is always important insight into the state of the consumer. And 
we're actually back in earnings season, which means we're kicking off at the end of the week with some of the biggest, largest financial institutions in the world. But before we get to Friday, we're going to hear from some companies on Thursday that'll be influential in the market. We're going to hear from PepsiCo. We're going to hear from Delta Airlines. We're going to hear from Conagra, Cintas. We're going to hear from United Healthcare this week. We're also on Friday going to hear from JP Morgan and State Street, Wells Fargo. So we're going to get a tremendous amount of earnings from the financial sector, which of course has been one of the most widely watched sectors in the market. And we'll get a feel for how comfortable these banks are with their loan books, with their credit books. And what we've seen in terms of trending is that a lot of these companies have been upping loan loss provisions, have been upping credit loss provisions. And we'll see if that continues to work through in terms of quarterly earnings, in terms of guidance going forward. And of course, given the interest rate backdrop and the mismatch some of these companies have between what they've lent money at and what they're borrowing money at, what that means in terms of net interest margins, which is, of course, what people watch so closely with the financial sector. So with that, I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I hope everyone had a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. I know it seems like a lifetime ago, but thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. We'll catch you next time. Please visit sectorspiders.com for more information and insight on the Select Sector Spider lineup and the sector landscape at large. Take care.